The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Game Time with Boomer Esiason. This week's guest is three-time Olympic gold medalist and five-time NCAA champion, Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski. Presented by GEICO. Today's guest is the winningest coach in college basketball history. Period. His tough to spell but slightly easier to pronounce name has become synonymous with Duke and also with leadership excellence. And even though he coaches at my alma mater's former ACC rival, Duke, I have so much respect and admiration for Mike Krzyzewski. And it's my pleasure to welcome the iconic coach, Kay, to Game Time Coach. It's always great to see you. Great to talk to you today. Yeah, thanks. I've looked forward to doing this. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, and we're not going to get into the Terp Blue Devil rivalry just yet a little bit <laughs> later on. But let's let's talk about some of the things that are going on in today's game right now before we get to your uh, biography and your background and everything else. You know, it's a state of flux for college basketball. There's right. no question about it. Transfer portals, one-and-done kids, the NBA G League. Players are going to start getting paid now in some sort of form uh, starting this July. Uh, where do you see college basketball as it sits right now? No, it's, I think there's, it's in chaos, to be quite frank with you. Uh, you know, there's always going to be a product on the floor. There's going to be a tournament, but the inner workings of college basketball is really up in the air uh, with the, especially with the transfer portal, uh, uh, you know, and giving the players that right. You know, we have over 1600 kids who have transferred and, they don't. Uh, they can still declare until one one July. So, uh, you know how coaches put together their teams is uh, really hard. And the other thing, Boomer, I think there are 
over 250 youngsters who have declared for the NBA draft. And uh, now whether all of them will keep their names in, that won't happen, but a number of them will. So you're getting close to 45, 50% of the kids who played college basketball last year are in some movement. They're in some phase of, of movement. And I, I think a big thing is how the NBA two-way contract is now, where uh, even if you don't get drafted, there are 60 more spots available and not just the 60 in the draft or 60 others that can be two ways, two to a team. And so a lot of kids, agents are talking to them. If you, if you're not going to get drafted, I can get you a two way. And it, it, it's paid quite well, somewhere around $400,000. So uh, there's a lot, lot going on and there's really no one who is trying to get the whole thing under one umbrella and figure this whole thing out for men's college basketball. Yeah, you know, it's frustrating, I'm sure, for coaches like you that have been around for a long time. You know, I don't know how you can keep a team together uh, these days or, and know who's coming and who's going and where you should be recruiting and what you're telling these, these kids and their parents as you walk into their house trying to get them to commit to Duke. Well, you know, I think we've gone not just with the kids that you're recruiting from high school. You're recruiting kids from other schools who have put themselves in a transfer portal. And... So you're recruiting all the time. And I think we've gone from recruiting to negotiating. I, I think the, the, the world has changed. And you may, I'm not saying you're negotiating money, but you're negotiating minutes, playing time, just where do I fit? You know, uh, I think every college coach should take a, a master class and watch it uh, from a fortune teller and have that fortune teller be able to tell, how do you predict the future, you know, with minutes, playing time, rotation, uh, and, and how, it, how it's going to be for that, that specific youngster. Yeah, I'm just thinking back to when uh, Bobby Knight uh, offered you to go to West Point. Could you imagine right. you and your parents sitting down with Bobby Knight saying, okay, here's our son. This is how many minutes he needs. This is how many shots he needs. This is how, you know, this is what he needs to make sure that he's going to come to West Point and you have to make sure this is going to happen for him? No, and that wouldn't happen. And to be, I'll, I'll be quite frank, in my 46 years of coaching and as I get to the final part of my coaching career, I'll never do that. I'll never do that. You know, I, I think you have to go into a locker room with your team where everyone knows that you all have to earn it, not that something's been negotiated for you to be the point guard or get X amount of minutes or whatever. That's crazy. At least for the little bit more that I'm going to do this, that, that's something that I'm, I am definitely not going to do. We're just getting warmed up with the great Mike Krzyzewski right now. Stay with us as game time continues right after this. You're watching Game Time with Boomer Esiason, brought to you by GEICO. 
Welcome back to Game Time. Mike Krzyzewski's natural leadership and organizational skills were evident at a young age. Growing up in Chicago's Ukrainian village, he would organize basketball games with kids in the neighborhood on the West Cortez Street and at St. Helens Catholic School. And Mike, I love this because <laughs> I played CYO basketball myself back in the day when I was like 10 or 11 years old. And you organized your own CYO team and went to the headmaster and said, hey, you know, I got a team here. I'm ready to go. And she wouldn't let you join the league is that right right we i never played cyo because uh the nun who was our principal said you know we don't we don't do that and our parish wasn't uh, organized enough like some of the more suburban parishes and that with cyo so we were a hybrid uh nomad team that uh, tried to get pickup games around the city but uh it was interesting it, it uh started my uh leadership or organizational skills uh, early. You end up going from high school to West Point. Now, this is not easy. We all know that. You didn't want to go to West Point, but your parents no. really <laughs> wanted you to go to West Point, and uh, it turned out being pretty good, uh, pretty good deal for you. Boomer, I call it the best decision I never made uh, uh, in following. I had trust and love for my parents, and as a result, I made a decision that had the biggest impact on my life besides uh, my decision to get married and form a family. Yeah, what? tell us something about Coach Knight that maybe we don't know, and what was it like playing for him? Well, he's brilliant, and I had never seen uh, preparation, emotion, intensity to that level. And as his point guard for a few years, uh, I was responsible for running the team, so I was held accountable. And uh, uh, I got at, at West Point, I got a double dose of the highest education that you could have in preparation for being a coach. I was at the best leadership school in the world and best character building school in the world at the United States Military Academy. And I was playing for one of the all time great coaches uh, who taught me the game and taught me how to do a number of things or not how to do some things too. but. For the most part, I was hit with uh, 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 amazing, uh, amazing stuff from both entities, and uh, uh, and it, it has served me well. In 1979, I got to Maryland. In 1980, you got to Duke, and you haven't left. You've still been there. Your first three years, 38 and 47, did your confidence ever waver at your beginning part of your legacy that you've left there at Duke? My confidence overall did not. It certainly going through that, you're going to have your bad days. I had to learn how to recruit at that level. And so the very first recruiting class, I, we really bombed out on, on seven, the top seven kids that we were trying to get. And then we changed our philosophy. And even though we only won 10 games that year, uh, we had the best recruiting class in the country with Billis, Allery, Henderson, Dawkins, and uh, I know, I know. and I know. and then uh, uh, even though they had a tough freshman year, uh, they ended up they only won 11 games, but their senior year they won 37, and uh, we almost won the national championship. And that was just they were the basis of of uh, of how it all started. So their commitment to me uh, will always be appreciated, and that's why we have such close relationships. And what a start it was. We'll return with living coaching legend Mike Krzyzewski after these messages. Brought to you by the Ford Bronco Sport. Built Ford Tough.
It's time for a change. Instead of working from home, work from your luxury suite at Midtown Manhattan's crown jewel, the Kimberly Hotel. Now offering special monthly rates with the most impeccable safety and hygiene protocols to keep you safe. Game Time with Boomer Esiason, brought to you by GEICO. One of Mike Krzyzewski's longtime assistant coaches, Chris Collins, has noted that while everyone thought coaching the national men's team in addition to coaching Duke would wear out Coach K, the opposite occurred. This new challenge to chase world championships and pursue Olympic titles actually refreshed and reinvigorated him. Is that true, Coach? Yeah, definitely, although it consumed me. All of a sudden, I was thrust into a situation where you had Mike D'Antoni and Jim Beheim and Nate McMillan, Thibodeau, Monty Williams, these guys and their staffs. Uh, on my staff, I got to coach guys like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, and Chris Paul and these guys, and they were students of the game. And so, really, it was a melting pot of, uh, of talent, uh, at the highest level, and I was able to learn a lot more, just a, a, a lot more. I, 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 it was an amazing 12 years for me, and in addition to that, to reestablish how you develop a culture, because USA Basketball did not have a culture, and uh, with Jerry Colangelo, who's primarily responsible for it, uh, we were able to to, to do that from uh 2006 to 2016 and just your experiences with magic johnson michael jordan and patrick ewing and all these great players that you either coached against uh, you know at north carolina at georgetown or at michigan state and now all of a sudden you find yourself in a locker room with these guys what was it like coaching michael jordan and how did he make you feel <laughs> when you first met him no it, it, well i knew michael he made me feel comfortable and because he was at the top of the totem pole, and P.J. Carlesimo and I, uh, his assistants, were at the bottom. He Actually, P.J. was just a little bit below me, and uh, <laughs> just in case he's watching. And, uh, no, it was, uh, you know, USA Basketball is the first time professional athletes from the United States participated in, in uh, men's basketball uh, in the Olympics. Uh, David Stern, it was such a great idea to do that. And it was an explosion for basketball around the world. And Boomer, those were the guys that really helped form the NBA in the 80s. When you think about the Celtics and the Lakers and all those rivalries, the Pistons and the Bulls uh, in the early, early 90s. And all of a sudden, they were brought in one under one umbrella. And Chuck Daly, God bless him. Uh, who was the coach of the Pistons at that time, and just a great, great man and coach. He was able to blend all those guys together, and they were all gentlemen. And basically, they brought, they brought the NBA culture to USA basketball. It didn't stay on after that for a long time, but it was, a, it was actually beautiful to watch. They were all gentlemen. They treated me well, but you know, we had just won two national championships in 91, 92. The first practice we're in San Diego and uh, we're at, and uh, Chuck gets the whole team together. And I, I think I'm, you know, pretty hot stuff. We just won two and I'm looking around. There's Robinson, there's Jordan, there's Malone, there's, uh, and then I started shrinking. 
<laughs> and hoping I would, I turned from a very confident guy to hoping that uh, I wouldn't make a mistake in, in the practice. You actually said that Michael Jordan allowed you to have an ego. He did. You know, at the end of that practice, uh, I was sitting, I was pleased because I didn't screw up and I'm drinking a, a bottle of water and Michael walks up to me and, you know, he's Carolina, I'm Duke and he's at the top of the totem pole. I'm at the bottom. And, and uh, so he could really crush me, you know, as a guy. And I, I'm sitting there, I'm a West Point graduate. I'm going to take it. And Michael, Michael says to me, he said, coach, I'd like to work, you know, on some of my offense for a while. Can you work with me? And so you have a water or Jordan. So I, I took Jordan. <laughs> and, uh, and then we worked for about a half hour. And then he said, thank you. And so he could have said, hey, idiot, get over here and shag some balls for me. And I would have done it. And I wouldn't have felt good about myself. Instead, he said, please. He said, coach. He worked with me. And then he said, thank you. And his totem pole didn't go up and down. It went this way. You know, where everyone, I learned a great lesson that day is the impact of the great player and also the fact that everyone on your in your group is is important and uh, you know, the, you know, he's still to me the greatest player of all time and he was able to influence his environment throughout his career. We'll be back in a moment for more with Mike Shashevsky after this. You're watching Game Time with Boomer Esiason, brought to you by GEICO. Welcome back to Game Time as we continue with Mike Krzyzewski. What is the biggest difference between coaching college kids and the NBA oh, player? Yeah. Well, you know, college players, uh, are, first of all, they're young men, they're not men. And I call it Boomer crossing bridges, you know, bridges of changing limits, growing up or whatever, becoming better than what you used to be. You, know, you have to cross a bridge. And uh, sometimes before you cross that bridge, you're knocked on your butt a few times. And you know you can help a, a youngster cross a bridge and that you get that relationship. And so uh, you, they have to depend on you a lot more. With the pro guys, they've crossed a lot of bridges already. Some bridges that I might not have been able to cross. And so you try to create more of a uh, of a of, of a, an atmosphere, an environment of mutual ownership, where it's not about the coach and it's not just about the player; it's about us. And uh, that's what we try to do. And I think we're successful. One quick story: uh, it's it's really really capsulizes what we tried to do. Our first team meeting, we'd always have the gold medal up on on the uh, on the screen that was our goal in that first meeting i said i want you guys to know one thing you, you are not playing for the united states and i gave it a moment where they're thinking like this guy's an idiot and i said yeah we won't win that gold medal unless you are united states basketball you are you, you don't just put on the uniform and what does it mean to be a United States basketball player? And uh, I, we had their uniforms spread out on their beds back in their suites down in Las Vegas at the Wynn. And I said, when you go upstairs, be 16 for a minute. 
and when you look on your bed, just be 16 years old for a minute. Don't be the stars that you are. Uh, and I wanted them to own it. I want them to feel. Well, you don't own it unless you feel it. You can see in here, but you got to feel. Later that night, I'm sitting by a video poker machine losing some money. And uh, I get a, a this, is true, this, is this true story, a tap on my back and it's Kobe. And he said, coach, I did that. And I started crying. And that was the start of us developing that feel for what it is to, uh, uh, to be a U.S. player. And, and those guys will all tell you who played. They were United States basketball players. Yeah, you know, 22 minutes is not long enough for you, Coach. And I want to talk about Kobe Bryant and your relationship with him as we'll be back for some buzzer beaters with Coach K right after this. Drive into Manhattan for an unforgettable staycation at Midtown Manhattan's luxurious Kimberly Hotel. Treat yourself to New York City without the crowds, protected by our highest safety and hygiene protocols to keep your family safe. You're watching Game Time with Boomer Esiason. All right, back with the great Coach K. Coach, you just mentioned Kobe Bryant and a, a moment you had with him of all places in Las Vegas. What was he like to coach, and was he as fierce a competitor as Michael Jordan as everybody says he was? Well, he, he was and is one of the top players ever and one of the top people ever, and maybe the best preparer for what he did. He, you know, he would always come in early you know, on our first team, uh, he came in two days early, knocked on our door. We we're having coaches meetings and said, coach, can I talk to you? And I w went out and he said, and he was the alpha dog then. He was the best player in the world. Uh, uh, LeBron was emerging at that time. And, and uh, he said, coach, I want you to do me a favor. And I, and I said, what's that? He said, I want to guard the best perimeter player on every team that we play. And he paused and he leaned forward and he said, I promise I'll destroy him. And uh, yeah, he knew that he was the scoring champ that year. He knew that in order to win his teammates over, that he was going to have to be that defender. And even in the first practice we had, he never took a shot. And then the, the relationship that he and LeBron developed were really the, really the most important relationship in the development of that culture, they became very, very close. And by 212, when we won in London, LeBron was the best player and Kobe was towards the end of his career. And they handled that about as well as, they handled it by themselves. Yeah. They, were, they were that smart in, in uh, figuring out how do you do culture and environment. Kind of like Michael Jordan did with uh, Magic Johnson and, of course, the great Larry Bird, as you told yes. the story earlier as well. It has just been absolutely terrific talking to you today. A big thank you to Mike Krzyzewski for joining us and to all of you for watching. I'm Boomer Esiason, and I'll see you again soon right here on Game Time with three-time Olympic gold medal winning sprinter Gail Devers. And a great start from Gail Devers in lane three. She's pulling away from Glenn Torrance next to her. You didn't want to go to West Point, but your no. parents really <laughs> wanted you to go to West Point. And uh, it turned out being pretty good, uh, pretty good deal for you. When I told Coach Knight no for two weeks, they uh, ethnically abused me verbally. 
with uh, speaking in Polish to me and adding words like stupid and Mike along with it. <laughs>